I think society in general still views the man as the breadwinner and, you know, the woman to stay home. And if a guy wants to stay home and take care of his kids, maybe there's other guys saying, what you know, and, you know, type of thing. And so, you know, I think that needs that needs to be a shift in that. Welcome to Owning Your Legacy. I'm your host, Lorette Rondonet. This podcast is about exploring just what it means to own your legacy. Through intimate conversations, we explore how to bravely tap into purpose, leadership, and becoming visible. My hope is that we inspire you to realize your own potential. Go after your dreams and boldly leave your mark. It all begins with bravely owning your legacy. Hi, DC. Thank you so much for being on the show. I was wondering if you could give our listeners an introduction of you. Sure. I'm DC Crenshaw. I'm the publisher of FET Lifestyle Magazine. I'm also the co-founder of Little Diners Crew. We met on what was the executive committee, Chicago executive committee. You were. Yeah. yeah. I was moderating and yeah. you were on the panel. That um, was really fun. Yeah, that was. So that I'm was like, I need you on my podcast and here yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. So good. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would love you to start. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your very interesting story that I've, I've learned a lot about you in the last couple of weeks. So. Wow. So, I mean, you know, I don't know where to start, but, um, you know, I guess... Uh, Ohio. I'd say start Ohio. on that. Oh, yeah. okay. You want me to go way back? I want to you to go Ohio. way back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up uh, in a small town called Maslin, Ohio, mm-hmm. which is in Northeast Ohio, uh, about an hour south of Cleveland. It's a small town, football town. Um, I uh, That's where I grew up, you know, ended up... Uh, playing football and getting a scholarship to, to play football at Bowling Green State University. Congratulations, um, that's huge. Thanks. Um, Not many and, people get those, and I don't, you know what I mean? Like, So my son get, uh, played at Ball State. Oh, that's right, that's yes. right, yeah, yeah. And, and so and Bowling Green, so he was in the MAC, yep. was like definitely looking at him, and that was another one. Um, but I just think it's so impressive because it's something like, what, 1% or 2% of High school. high school athletes that, that get that. And yeah, yeah. it's a lot of work, a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I mean, you know, and, you know, I've, I've you never take it for granted. I mean, I played with guys who kind of took it for granted. Yes. And uh, ended up losing their scholarship. So, you know, having something like that. And my, my boys want to, you know, they want to play college ball, not necessarily football, but one of them does. One of them wants to play baseball. But, so, you know, if you get that opportunity, you know, you got to take advantage of it. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. But um, but I was a, a biology pre-med major. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't really know what to major in. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone said, you know, you should be a doctor. And so okay. I was like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be a doctor. <laughs> and so that kind of happened. Yeah. But afterwards, I, I got into the pharmaceutical industry. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, while I was in industry, I worked for J&J. I worked for Merck. But uh, when I was in the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry, I would uh, wine and dine my clients all the time. You know, yeah. the doctors yeah. take them out to lunch, the nurses, and things like that. And so, I kind of developed a passion for finding good restaurants, and uh, and then I found myself introducing my friends to those restaurants. Yes, you know, on the weekends. And so, um, when I moved to Chicago, there were so many great restaurants uh, that people didn't know about because. You know, back in 99, 2000, there was no food-centric places. Like, you know, there was no food network. There was nothing going on that was food-centric. And so I started a dining club uh, for people called FET. And the whole idea was to introduce people to the newest restaurants that opened in the city and the restaurants to their to their people. Um, Probably a social aspect to it, too, where 
people new to the city could meet other couples or yeah. sure there was some aspect of... Well, I was single, so you know it was really about the whole. Or you could crowd. meet women, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I was kind of bringing people together mm-hmm. from different walks of life. One thing I noticed about Chicago when I first moved here was how segregated it was. Yeah, you know, and you know the black folks lived on the south side, white folks lived on the north side, mm. the Latinos or Hispanics lived on the west side, and no one was coming together. And so um, I discovered that I was able to bring people together through food. Um, and, uh, and so that kind of worked out and developed this good following and, you know, over time it just kind of evolved from there. But, uh, food is such a good connector, you know, community around the table. Yeah. Food, food and sports, you know, I always say that those two things bring people together. You can be at a game, Mm -hmm. you don't know who's beside you, but your team scores a touchdown or, uh, you know, hits a basket, you guys are high-fiving each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. I grew up going to... Bears games, all the home games. Um, so my dad was a big football player and mm. had season tickets. And in those days, the people that were next to us were always the same people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but you get to know them because right. you're at every home game, and there was absolutely relationships built around yeah. football. So yeah, absolutely. Not lately, we don't have much going on with the Bears, but <laughs> not a lot of high fiving, high five going on. Yeah, nothing to cheer about. You know, no. it's, it's a foundational year. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a. We were supposed to be like competing for. I don't know the conference championship or something. Yes, and it happened. And it doesn't look like it. Yeah, it's so hard to be a Bears fan. It is, you know. It's just, and I, I picked them to go like four and one the first few games, and my buddies are like, oh, "What's that prediction again?" So I know. Yeah, I know. My son was right there with you. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yes, it's horrible." Yeah, but um, but 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 food brings people together too because. You know, you can be dining at a restaurant and, mm-hmm. you know, you see someone come by with a, a good dish and you're kind of looking at the next table and then you kind of connect with folks. So, Absolutely. you know, love those two things. Yeah. So then what happened after after that was established? So, you know, uh, FET was basically a, it was like my creative outlet because I was mm-hmm. still in the in the pharmaceutical industry. So it was like my side hustle. Okay. Um, was it something that you did to, to make money or more like you're saying, more a creative outlet? Than- it was more of a creative outlet. I mean, I was making a little bit of money, but you know, there wasn't mm-hmm. something I could quit my job and pay the bills with. Um, but it was more like, you know, how people um, are in a job and, you know, that job pays the bills. But what you're passionate about is what you, you know, what you really want to do is something maybe you do on the side. Yes. And so that's what, uh, that's what FET was about. And then, you know, it, um, uh, you know, fast forward down the road where um, uh, I got married and uh, um, I was still in the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. um, but I ended up losing my job. So in 2008. It was I, a bad I, time for everybody. Yeah, I lost my job. Uh, my wife was three months pregnant with our first son. Stressful. Yeah. And um, so, you know, at that point, I wasn't really worried. It was like in January or February or something like that because I had a good resume and I was like, I can get a job. Fast forward a year later, I still didn't have a job. Yeah. Um, and um, Probably the hardest time to be looking right then. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to find a job when you don't have a job. And That's so, so true. Uh, and, um, and so, but there was a point where I went into my last interview with this company and, um, you know, I was in the final stages and I was interviewing with someone from HR 
And she looked at my resume. She said, well, how, how, how come you didn't have them worked in a year? I was like, well, it's a recession. You know, I've been looking for a job. And, mm-hmm. But it was at that moment that I realized that I had to kind of do this on my own. And so I started doing uh, food vlogs. Basically, I would go into um, a restaurant and do a three-minute overview of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of taking the place of, of, of me hosting these events where I would actually go in and kind of introduce people to these new restaurants mm-hmm. and a uh, three-minute overview where people get a chance to meet the chef. Um, Is this a video? It was a video, yeah. Cool. And then I would put it on my website and send it out and people would get a chance to look at it. Um, and then uh, NBC Locals saw what I was doing and asked me to start doing stuff for them. So I started mm-hmm. doing stuff for them. Is that, and then the TV show, is that when that came out? Yeah, so literally I was working out one morning at East Bank. And, <laughs> right uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I just had this epiphany. I was just like, I got this show. I got this idea. Game time dine. And uh, because I'm an ex-football player and I became this food guy, I wanted to merge the two because mm-hmm. one of the things that I realized when I was in corporate America is that, you know, people always want to talk about football. Yes. Um, and uh, there was so much more to me than just football. And so, you know, I, I was interested in this. I was interested in that. And so I knew that there were guys out there that played football that were, or sports in general, that were just more interested in, in other things. I watched the episode with Israel. I loved on that episode, like he was chefing it up. That was yeah. really cute. Yeah. And it does show you another side of a football player. I thought yeah. that that was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you know, now I think it's becoming more popular to show you know, people in a different light, athletes, celebrities, and things like that. Yeah. That and, they're human. Right. Like, I exactly. love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, you know, football, well, growing up, you know, football was something that I loved. Uh, mm-hmm. But, um, you yeah, know. Talk about that role model. We're kind of all over the place. But mm-hmm. I love when you were talking about just that aspect of. Of being a role model. Yes. And, and what you had yeah. to do, you know. Well, I, I guess, you know, what my role models growing up, when I was in high school, were guys that excelled in athletics, but also academics and things like that. Guys that were, you know, doing other things as well as athletics. And so I kind of uh, always wanted to, um, you know, follow in their, their footsteps type, type of way. And because, you know, I, I know that uh, just you know, my parents instilled in me education was, was number one. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously athletics helped me get to where I helped me get to college. I don't know if I would have went to college if I didn't have an athletic scholarship, but, um, you know, academics and being involved in other things is, is, uh, was important as well. And like we were just talking about my son just getting injured recently and it's, it's so big in his life. And I'm sure you get this. Mm -hmm. It's like, now what am I if I can't play? Yeah. And it's, it's and, hard. And so many people, so many athletes are define themselves as just being an athlete. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a star athlete growing up, you have everyone that's, you know, that's what they identify. And they, you know, you're in the spotlight. And, it's a lot of pressure know, for right? kids. Exactly. And then when you lose that, I mean, I remember my last college game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I was going to have a chance to play, you know, after college. But no one else what you know had the opportunity that that was a senior right. um you know on my college football team and so it was like you play the sport when you're 10 until you're 
21 or 22, and then all of a sudden, you know, stops. it stops. Yeah, because no one is coming to your house to say, hey, let's go play a pickup football game, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, um, and I also remember, you know, when I was playing arena football, uh, which is an indoor professional football league, uh, when I decided to hang up my cleats, I had a trial with Detroit Lions, but I didn't make it. And, and uh, you know, my parents were like, okay, are you going to keep chasing this dream? Or are you going to start your career? I had a degree to fall back on. Yes. But there were a lot of guys that I played with in arena football that didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe eight years after I stopped playing, I turned on the TV and I saw a guy that I was playing with still playing, you know, wow. and they weren't, you know, they weren't making a ton of money. Um, but it, it was, was so hard on your body. Yeah. And they didn't have that to follow back, fall back on. And so, you know, um, it's important to have other things other than just being an mm. athlete. And I think, uh, when athletes nowadays show that, I think, uh, I think they're being, you know, they're, they're, uh, telling kids, Hey, look, you don't just have to be pigeonholed as an athlete. Yes. Um, you can be other things than just an athlete. Yeah. And find other things that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's important. Yeah. So the show was uh, Game Time Dine. You know, I started with Israel Donajay. Mm-hmm. Good dude. I mean, you know, he wasn't the Bear Star player, um, but he, you know, Izzy was different because he he gets it. You know, he had a vision. Mm-hmm. And he's a successful entrepreneur. He's doing so many great philanthropic things. Philanthropic, too. I remember yes. very philanthro- philanthropic. Yeah. Um, and he was great on the show. Um, and, uh, we shot, I had no money, no budget. And, um, you know, I convinced him to, you know, to do the show. He was great. He showed up every Monday we shot. Um, and then I had a a, a team of guys that believed in, and, uh, in the show, Mm -hmm. no money. They were basically working for free. But I promised them. I said, "Hey, it looked fun though too. I think they yeah. had fun with you. you oh, know? They, they they had fun. Yeah, they and they get to eat. Fun. They got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> they got to meet you know other athletes, stuff like that. And so chefs. it was fun. Yeah. The second year, I was I ended up getting a sponsorship through Pepsi and Mini Cooper. So I was able to pay guys, and we got Emmy nominated twice. That's um, so, huge. Yeah, it was. I mean, who thought? You know, a guy had no experience yeah. in doing a TV show and being able to get an film. Emmy nomination cannot be easy, is it? I mean, it's got to be. Well, I mean, honestly, I didn't know because yeah. I had never been in the space. And so, uh, you know, people were saying, number one, how'd you get a show on TV? And number two, how'd you get Emmy nominated? And so, you know, it was it was like one of those things like, OK, uh, it was it was pretty fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So any chance it's going to come back? We're working on it, actually. Uh, we're working on. Uh, we're we're talking to a couple of different networks, um, and uh, we have some athletes uh, signed up for season three, basically. Nice. Uh, and hopefully, we'll it'll come out maybe uh, next year. We'll we'll see. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, you are a serial entrepreneur. I am. I am. I, I can't yeah. see you doing a nine to five job. Well, you know, so funny at this point. Well, I, you know, what's so funny is that I, you know, you, you, sometimes God puts you in a situation that says, Hey, you want this, go get it. Yeah. And, uh, and I kind of feel that felt like that happened with losing my job in 2008. You know, I always I had agree. an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, and you just had to figure Forced it out. Forced you, it was a little nudge to go do what you have passion about. Yeah, exactly. And then figuring out how to get, make it done and yeah, uh-huh. make it happen. So, but, um, no, I, I like being an entrepreneur. Uh, I mean, there's something also nice about knowing that you're going to have a, a steady flow of income. Yeah, you know? that's true. A little <laughs> comfort. Know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, 
but the reward that uh, you know of make of, of creating something and building it and and then seeing it come to fruition and mm-hmm. and seeing it become successful is uh, something that um, I don't think I can get if you know if I right. had a nine to five. So, yeah. and they all kind of flow together. So you haven't really touched on your magazine much. Um, and I also took a look at that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Is, we got to we got to get you featured in that. I would love yeah, to be yeah, featured absolutely. in that. I we was will. like, wow, this is beautiful. So talk a little bit about that. So these are all kind of going on at the same time. Well, uh, like, well so so Fet Lifestyle Magazine uh, happened uh, as a kind of like a, as a result of me needing to evolve Fet the dining type of thing. And so I had like a platform for it. Yes, exactly. And so I, you know, I, I, I used to send out a newsletter, um, you know, every week, every month, uh, when I had FET of the dining club and then everyone else started sending out newsletters. So everyone had a newsletter and I was like, you know, it wasn't really serving, you know, any purpose anymore. And I said, I need to do something different. And I said, well, I'm going to start a magazine, um, but I want to do a digital magazine. And so, and then I wanted to also do something different where I only had all female contributors. And so. I love that. So tell me about that decision. Yeah. That caught my eye. Well, I, you know, I know that uh, a lot of women have a lot to say, but they didn't have a platform to say it. Mm-hmm. And I used to get people, a lot of women that come up to me and ask me, you know, things about how to get a blog started and, you know, how to do this and how to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, you know, let me create this. And I asked some friends, you know, initially to, you know, hey, we'd like to contribute, not just in Chicago, but from around the country. Right. Um, and uh, they were like, yeah, I would love to do something to help you out. And then uh, they were like, oh, I know this, this, you know, this girl over here and this girl over here. Yeah. And so before you knew it, I had, you know, women all over the world that were contributing content, um, you know, all the way from New Zealand to Australia to Costa Rica and stuff That's like that. cool. And it could be content on anything that they are interested in or anything that they're they expert were in. Or... Exactly. Cool. And it kind of evolved over the years. You know, if you look at, you know, issue number one to issue 106 now, you can see how it evolved mm-hmm. where now we focus on lifestyle content. And... Mm-hmm. What uh, I ask them to do is contribute anything you're passionate about, but really try to help people live their best lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, parenting, whether it's um, wellness, health, Mm -hmm. beauty, um, travel, cars, cars, cars. (laughs) yeah, you know what it's reminding me of. um, So Christy Hafner has been on the podcast. Oh, wow. She's amazing. Do you know her? I don't know. I know about her, but I don't know her. She'd be a good content person for you, too. Yeah. but it's reminding me, I did, you know, a lot of research on her and her, of course, her father. And so Playboy started that way, you know, mm. I mean, it really, I mean, yeah. they, they always say the article, it was about the articles, you right, know, but, right, right. but really that was, um, I watched that show, um, American, American Playboy, is that what it's yeah. called? Mm-hmm. It's the Hugh Hefner story. And it's, I thought it was really interesting how he started it. Mm-hmm. And it was really along that, like, there was nothing for men, right. a lifestyle kind of magazine, so... Well, and, and, you know, I always like things to, I, I knew that it would, you know, it would eventually evolve to what it is. Um, so I just kind of let it morph. And over the years, you know, eight years later, you know, 106 issues later, you know, it is what it is. And I think people, uh, I think we've gotten better. Um, I've gotten better as a publisher, understanding how to 
make sure that we have the right content, mm-hmm. um, but still. And you give, do the layout. I mean, you're like hands on. Yeah, I do the layout yeah. every month. So, wow. you know, which is a lot of work. I was going to say. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So eventually I'm going to turn that over to someone else. I try to turn it over to someone else. but Sometimes, you know, you sometimes just got to you just got to do it. You just got to do it yourself. So um, yeah. eventually I'll, I'll you know, probably train someone to, to take over and, and just kind of do it. But, um, but yeah, we got to get you in there. Yeah, that'd be fun. But, uh, yeah, so the magazine is, um, it kind of happened because, you know, I needed to do something different with the newsletter. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the it's like elevated, it was elevated and, you know, it served a purpose and it, now it does provide, uh, you know, people are excited to see it. People are excited to read the articles, mm-hmm. um, you know, a bunch of contributors like to uh, you know add to it and contribute, so it's, mm-hmm. it's it's been good. So then, when did Little Diners Crew evolve? Yeah, so Little Diners Crew uh, kind of happened because you know my wife and I would always go out to dinner with our boys, and uh, she's grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, um, and uh, you know she had uh, she would get introduced to different food. You know, different cuisine with her her family. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town in Maslin, Ohio, but my parents always tried to expose us to different types of food, whether it was Chinese food or whatever. Right. Um, I do it, agree with you. It starts young, you know. It's, yeah. My Our family was like the two. I'm the youngest of seven, and um, my dad was big on, you got to try it, you know, yeah. whatever it is. My wife and I used to take our kids to eat, and they mm. would eat food that we would, you know, order off the menu that were adults, right. not from the adult menu, not from the kids menu. And so our, our, they ate sushi at a young age and, you know, tried oysters and things like that. And, and parents would always ask us how we got our kids to try different foods mm-hmm. because they couldn't get their kids to eat anything else but mac and cheese and chicken fingers. And we also noticed at restaurants on the kids menus, no matter That's where you went, got. you got mac and cheese and chicken, chicken fingers and mm-hmm. noodles and stuff like that. And uh, and so we were like, it has to be a better way. So we came up with the concept of Little Diners Crew of uh, expanding kids' palates beyond mac and cheese and chicken fingers. And we do that by hosting these unique dining experiences at a different restaurant. We like to say we allow kids to travel the world through food. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, where we, we choose a restaurant that has uh, food from a different country each month. And so, you know, mm-hmm. the kids are able to come and sit at their own table um, learn they, etiquette. Learn the etiquette. Uh, they taste and rate these dishes, so they get feedback to the chef, which can be humbling to the chef oh. <laughs> a lot of times. I just got killed by a ten-year-old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we had this one event, a uh, brunch event, and uh, you know was, the food was awesome, but the chef came out, and you know the kids would give their feedback, and the chef was like. I thought I served good food here. And uh, I was like, you do, man. But kids are brutally honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. They don't, I mean, again, it's like a celebrity to meet a chef. You know, it's really cool to. Yeah. Yeah. They probably don't get how cool that really is. And they get a chance to tour the kitchen. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's been great. You know, we've hosted over 60 events. Um, we, uh, hosted an event in Aspen a couple of years ago. So, uh, so we, we have a lot of really good, exciting things happening with Little Diners Crew and that's. That's, um, you know, we partnered with Uber Eats. Yeah. Um, we launched something called Crew Food on Uber Eats. and I saw that on your website. That was, that's interesting. So like, I'm kind of picturing you take your kids to one of these restaurants and they love whatever. Then you go, okay, now I can get it. 
Exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, restaurants that have been kid tested and dishes that have been kid tested and kid approved. So, Very cool. um, so it makes it easier for parents to order food that their kids are going to love. Yeah. I love how you talk about it opens up their minds to diversity. Yes. Are the kids themselves diverse? Like, do you have all yes. different neighborhoods come in? To- so we do. You know, we have all different types of ethnicities to come to Little Diners Crew. Um, and, and, and that's important. And, you know, we actually had they parents. They get to meet each other. Right, exactly. We had parents that actually, you know, told us that that was important to them because their kids may go to a school that's not diverse, Yes. But but they meet other kids at Little Diners Crew, and the parents meet other parents yes. at Little Diners Crew, and they eat together. You know, kids are um, you know they're they're kids, and so you know at that particular age, they may not have any thoughts about diversity or anything like that. But right. now it becomes just natural, you yes. know. And uh, and then when they're introduced to you know different types of food from other cultures, mm-hmm. I think it breaks down that barrier of you know of them not being as ex- at uh, not being um being more receptive to yeah. to you know other cultures um you know because you may see someone from a different ethnicity that comes to lunch mm-hmm. with some some type of food that you haven't seen before think about that that just reminded me of like being in grade school and I went to this little Catholic school week, so we didn't have any like cafeteria. Wednesdays was hot dog day, and that was like the best day of the week. Just getting a hot dog and a ding dong, and like, but think of how mean kids can be sometimes at the lunch table of like, what you eating tuna? What are you eating? And so I think that that's just another even side effect of this great club is like, yeah, no judgment, no judgment. You're right. I mean, you know, kids can be mean. I mean, because if they don't know, you know, they just don't know. But, uh, but, you know, if they're, because we take them through like, um, we moderate the events and we take them through like fun facts about the culture and the food that they're eating. So they're learning. Right. And so they're learning, you know, beyond just tasting food, they're kind of learning about the culture of, of different places that we visit. So, you know, that's. And do you, in the Chicago area, do you just stay downtown or would you go out as far as the suburbs? Like, Oh, we have been out to the suburbs. Okay, cool. And then I, we're going to, let's chat about that after. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know you're going to bring them to Edlong, which I am so excited about. So tell me we're how that's evolving. Yeah, we're excited. I think we're going to uh, do that sometime in the next few months Okay, um, where, you know, your team is uh, going to have us out there. It's going to be really cool. These kids are going to love it. This is um, We've done this a couple of times with, and even like bring your kid to work day, but yeah. it's fun for that. It's fun for them to see a career right. path too. I yes. love that aspect of it. Yeah. And then it can be creative yes. and scientific at the same time. And I, I know for a fact my son is going to love it awesome. because he loves food, uh, both of my kids. But my youngest, you know, he you know, he wants to do a restaurant. He wants to be a chef. He wants to do all these things. So I think that's going to be... He created a monster. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, sometimes Little Diners Crew can be very expensive for us because, yeah, you know, no longer can our kids eat off the kids' yeah. menu. You know? Yeah. They're like... I want that twenty-two dollar entree right there, and I'm like, dude, that's slow your a roll. really good question. Do mm. you let them? Like, I remember being younger and going out with my dad, and I had to ask. Like, it had to be a special occasion if it was going to be because right. I he created a monster in me. I love <laughs> lobster, crab, like that's my go-to right. if it was special. And yeah, but that's I kind of I kind of like that. So what? Because you do you you got these kids having like elevated tastes. How do you handle that? Yeah, well, you know, I. They're very, they're very cautious and conscious of, 
you know, the prices because I'm like, do you know how much that costs? Now, I don't care if you get it, but I just want you to understand, you know. And, you and, better enjoy it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and eat the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I just don't want them to um, just uh, feel entitled that, that right. they, they, they can't feel in, that they're entitled to get in it. Right. You know, they, they, and Take they're it for granted. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, and, and they're good kids and they don't. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we go out and they, and uh, my son wants to order something. He goes, yes, but that's, that's $18. You know, don't worry about it. Just, just go ahead and, and get right. it. Um, but I love that though, because that he even brings it up and, mm-hmm. and then, and respects it. Right. You know, and then exactly. it's not like this is yeah. taken for granted. But there was one time where, you know, he wanted to order entree was $36 and, you know, my entree was like 25 and I was like, you know, I don't know, you, 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 but I, I let him get it and, you know, I was like, okay, this is a, you know, it's a one-time thing. You want it, it's all good. But, um, but no, it's, you know, they have expensive taste now, um, yeah. which is fine. Do you let him get cute shoes like that? No, <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually, um, uh, you know, my wife uh, works for a company that has owned, that owns um, Gucci. And oh. so, yeah, so, you know. Oh, yeah. I need to know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but, you know, they like, you know, they got they, they get an allowance and my oldest had a job this summer. Nice. Um, so he was able to buy some stuff. But, you know, I always tell them, save your money. And, um, and you know, they like nice shoes. But I'm like, if you have two pair of nice shoes, do you really need a third pair of nice shoes? Oh, yeah. You know, is, is, I mean, is that, is that, do you, if you want to spend your money on that, but just right, know right. that your bank account is going to, you know, shrink. And so my son the other day, the 15 year old, he was like, you know, I just realized that when I buy something um, and I don't really need it, I don't think about it. But then I look at my bank account and my bank account, you know, yeah. is lower. I was like, yeah. And so, that's great lessons. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's that's why you I'm surprised he could work cuz doesn't he does he play football? Which one? So yes. tell, tell so, me what they're but So they're uh in. my oldest is uh a sophomore and he plays uh football. He had a uh summer job at a camp, a football camp, like a sports oh, camp. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh so it was like from 8 until two or something like that and he he was able to leave and go to practice. Okay, yeah, yeah cuz I was going to yeah. say my kids all summer I pre- double practice with you know, basketball and football, but yeah. so they don't even have time right now to get a job. But, yeah. But and he good. was, he was adamant about getting a job. You know, he was like, I want a job, I want a job. And then next year he wants to work for me. And I'm like, you sure you want to work for daddy? Cause you know, it's going to be a different experience. Ooh. I mean, you know, but yeah. you know, you can, you can, you know, we'll, we'll hook you up. We'll do something. Be careful of the family business thing. We could talk about that. At <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it's hard. Uh, yeah. I have one that just graduated from Iowa and, um, he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to, you know, work for Ed Long. I'm like, no, you're not. It's not going to be your first job. There you go. It's yeah. Yeah. Would not be good for our relationship. Right. I, well, he, you know, they both have an entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, they're, he, my oldest is thinking about, you know, things to start and I said, I'll help you out, you know, just give you a, uh, some ideas and stuff like that. So, and the 11 likes um, baseball more. Yes, he yeah. loves baseball. He's, you know, um, he plays football, baseball, basketball, um, volleyball. Uh, yeah, up but, and coming, uh, yeah. especially for boys. I yeah, think. but um, but he loves baseball. So, um, and I got a chance to coach his travel team oh, this fun. this past summer. Uh, 
out of uh, necessity because I didn't want to do it. Um, but I was glad that I did it because I got to learn a lot more about the game. Talk a little bit about, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, criticism of those of us that let our children play football. And like, what's your thoughts on that? I, I can totally understand how, um, you know, parents are hesitant of allowing their kids to play football because of the whole concussion thing. Um, but I also think that football has gotten a bad rap mm -hmm. because people were focusing more on football versus other sports, concussions in soccer and hockey, um, all these other Swimming, things. Swimming, diving. I mean, it happens in every sport. Every I think. sport. Yeah. Um, and what, what's happened over the years is that they are making football a lot more safer. True. You know, teaching the game at a younger age, teaching them how to tackle differently, yes. um, which is which is important. Um, so I, I do believe football is safe. Um, but I mean, you're always going to have your naysayers. Uh, right. You know, like I had a guy on my Facebook page years ago when the whole concussion thing was going on. He said, you probably have a you probably have CTE. You don't even know it. OK, if I do, I you know, maybe I do. But um, at the same time, football has taught me so many things that I've used in life. Um, you know, first of all, uh, how to be competitive, how to persevere, how to hard, work hard, how to manage my time, uh, how to commit. Um, and uh, and those things, you know, not just in football, but in, in all sports, mm -hmm. you get those, you know, get, get, get those things and, totally you know, agree. camaraderie with my teammates. That's huge to yeah. me. I think, and my son that played, I think he struggled with finding a job that he felt team. And exactly. I like that's what he was looking for, and mm -hmm. yep. he seems happy where he is now. But um, and he couldn't sit behind a desk. He's like this. He had an econ major, supply chain. Yeah, hated it. Mm -hmm. Needed. He was looking for that team. Yeah, and I'm sure your son still keeps in contact with his guys from Ball State. Oh, they were well. It was high, the high school kind of the a pseudo reunion. It was hysterical. Mm -hmm. They were living their glory days. They had played golf all day. So they one of the his old quarterback from high school is great kid guy now um organized a golf day and then they went to the rival football friday night lights you know mm -hmm. so they got to see, he got to see his little brothers play like i'm on a text chain with you know my freshman guys i came in with a bowling green yeah. and you know we still just give it to each other all the time on text yeah. and uh but we're close you know um and you know that's that's what football gave me um, it's like family. Right. And uh, I remember as, you know, my teammates, when I was, I first played at 10 years old, 11 years old, I still remember those guys. And yeah. you, know, you still remember these guys that you play with. Um, but, uh, and, you know, I don't, sometimes I don't think you can get that in a lot of other sports. That's what um, my boys say. Like mm -hmm. they play um, basketball and other sports, lacrosse. But there's something about, and I always like go, why? And it's the camaraderie of football. That's mm -hmm. what they love. They say yeah. it's our favorite sport. Yeah. And yeah. that's due to the, the coaches. Yeah. They have some yeah. great coaches that have really, I'm trying to get their head coach on in next season because he's mm -hmm. obviously a little busy right now. Right. But he said he's going to do it. And I think it'd be really fun to have like a behind the scenes with my boys and him. And like, yeah. so, but yeah, he motivates and inspires them a lot. Well, coaches matter. I mean, coaches really matter. matter. Um, and, you know, I remember, you know, I went to Bowling Green because every coach that recruited me. Um, and uh, I remember my first football coach, you know, beside my dad. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, coaches matter and mm -hmm. coaching in corporate America matters. Yeah. You know, they're mentors. And so, you know, right. it's, it's, it's huge.
So what is the legacy that you'd like to leave behind? You know, that's a good question. Um, and, uh, you know, like, like I always said, I don't, I don't necessarily think about that. Um, I think that would take care of itself. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I just kind of focus on is trying to do the right thing, trying to um, be the best dad I can be, you know, the best person I can be, mm-hmm. um, and really just kind of, um, you know, sh- talk to my boys and show them as as a someone that they, uh, that, you know, I, I think that they really look up to me. Sometimes you don't know that until they tell you. And your son just did a little thing at school, didn't he? To share that story. I love that. Like the first week of school, like they did this project in school where I think they kind of created this little origami. And on the origami, they had to write all these questions or answer all these questions. You know, who, what's your favorite sport? Who's your favorite team? Places you like to travel? Um, and one question was, who's your hero? And, you know, the first person he had was me. That's so sweet. Yeah. And so I was just like blown away. I mean, I was just like, wow, for real? And, and, uh, you cause you just don't know, no. you know, um, yeah. you know, and, and so just seeing that, I mean, I was just like ecstatic. That's legacy. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I, you know, I don't care about being named number one in this or that and that. Right. But if you're, you know, if your son or daughter, you know, thinks that you are one of their heroes, mm-hmm. that's all you can I That's all that. you can hope for, yeah. Are you still like the stay-at-home dad? I mean, I know they're older now, so yeah. Are you, is that kind of your responsibility, though, in your house? So when I got laid off, uh, I was the stay-at-home dad. So I mm. because I didn't, and I you didn't, had a baby, baby, baby. Then I had a baby, brand so, new baby, brand oh. new baby, and so uh, I was stay-at-home dad, looking for a job, trying to build a business. Yeah. So my kids, they've never known me to have a nine-to-five. So I've always been. At home, you know, you know, and so one of the things that kind of ticks me off sometimes is when I see um, things that are posted on social media that says dads don't do this, dads don't do that. Um, And I've always been that dad. I've always been the dad to get up in the middle of the night and help change the diaper or or um, get them dressed in the morning, make breakfast, take them to school, pick them up, do their homework. And I love that you said, and I, don't, I think it was on a podcast I listened to or something, but you were saying how it makes you appreciate parenting. I mean, you know, you've had to be in the in the throes of it, and I think that's mm-hmm. great perspective. I enjoy it. You know, I don't, uh, I couldn't see me doing anything else. I mean, I think I, sometimes I think I was born to be a dad. Um, I love but that. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially when, yeah. when I when I hear about guys or dads that don't participate in their in their kids' lives. I just don't, it doesn't resonate with me. I don't right. understand it. And um, that just reminded me of um, when you were talking about your best friends in high school and and talk a little bit about that and where they ended up and, and you know, your yeah. thoughts on that. You know, um, I grew up with, you know, guys, uh, you know, like my, my, my three best friends aside from my cousin, you know, we grew up in, you know, they all went to prison. They all went to jail. Um, and I grew up in a small town, you know, rural town. No crime, no drugs, things like that, no gangs. But um, all three of them went to prison. And one of them ended up getting killed you know, probably about 20-something years ago. Uh-huh. Um, 
but once one of the common denominators is that they didn't have a father figure in their life. Yeah. And my dad was kind of a father figure to them growing up, uh, you know, but they didn't have a father figure. Um, and I, I um, think that is profoundly important yeah. in so many aspects of what's yep. going on in the world. It's yeah, especially yeah. young black men, you know, exactly. uh, just because, you know, we, we grew up differently. I mean, that's mm. just a fact that, you know, now there's more opportunities, um, but, uh, you know, not being exposed to a lot of different opportunities or just not having that, um, you know, that father figure in your life to kind of steer you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Not saying that single moms can't do it because a lot of single moms have raised really good, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, with probably some help, either coaches or uncles or you know i think right i think boys do need a father figure for sure absolutely i mean it, because, come in, it can come in different forms like your dad you know yeah, yeah. but, but i mean it's I, not the same i could never teach you know a young lady you know how to be a woman i don't you know I, you know i don't right so I you're never, lucky you have boys is what you're saying <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah i'm lucky to have boys too i like yeah. being a boy mom well boy moms are Boy moms are amazing because you guys are always going to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. There's something that I I can't do what you know my wife can do for my boys. This is I mean, yeah. you know my boys are always going to that's that's their mom and, yes. and I and I love that because they're going to be respectful husbands someday. They're going to respectful husbands, but that's also up to me to show them how to be respectful. Yes. You know, to to uh, a woman and uh, and there's a a book that uh, just recently came out. I think it recently came out um, of boys of boys and men, and it's there's a little snippet I can send you of a, a little video. It's like 15 minutes, but one of my colleagues sent it to me, and it's those it's hugely impactful of what men are going through now. And the the man's story was around um, women have done well of really closing the gap. But, you know, you hear about it all the time, but but really there's more women that are breadwinners, more young young women going to college than men. Like, it's flipping. Yeah. And what is this doing to men? And I, as a mom of five, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, huh. And the concept really is around partnership. At least that was my takeaway. It's mm-hmm. like men used to have to be the caregiver, the protector. I mean, mm-hmm. we still like that too. Mm-hmm. But But now it's really like more partnership. How do you be... Yeah, because we need you guys. I mean, right. and our children need you too. So it's like how that's evolving. Well, I first of all, I think that's important. But sometimes I think it's a, uh, it's it. Sometimes um, maybe men are insecure about it if the roles are flipped. You know, if yeah. if, um, if the woman is a breadwinner and uh, the man is not, maybe they're looked down upon. And it happens a lot. I mean. It, it, Totally honest, it was hard in my relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's like hard to not demean, you know, masculine and 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 still shine your light. Right. You know, yeah. it's it's a dance of some sort. That's it's hard. Yeah. So I mean, but I I mean I I love that dynamic. You know, but um, mm-hmm. it takes a uh, a secure person. It, yes. On both ends, you know, yeah. to, to, you know, to do that. And good communication and all that stuff that's needed in a relationship. But, but I think you're right. I think it, it does take us, um, but maybe a, a special, like strong man to really be able to do that. But maybe that is evolving for the next generation. Yeah. Hopefully. I kind of, I kind of feel it. Yeah. I mean, you know, hopefully, but I think society as a general 
in, in, in general needs to maybe take away those stereotypes, um, which is hard to do, you know, yeah. take away of um, defining who you are and who you should be. Yeah. Um, because I think society in general still views the man as a breadwinner yeah, and, you know, the woman to stay home. And if a guy wants to stay home and take care of his kids, maybe there's other guys saying, what you know, and, you know, type right. of thing. And so, you know, I think that needs, right. that needs to be a shift in that. I like that. I mean, because it, it's like, who's better suited? It's not always the mom, you know. I think sometimes it could be the dad that's exactly just got more patience and more, you know, playfulness. Like, yeah, I. On the contrary, I don't think I ever would have been a great stay-at-home mom. Like, right. Well, I think I, I think, um, I think there's a, a there is a, a contributor that just just uh, wrote an article in Fet Lifestyle magazine about the many hats of motherhood. I and, saw that uh, one. Yeah, and she was saying how she wasn't a good stay-at-home mom. You know mm-hmm. that that I really didn't fit her role um, of what she expected. Like I found maternity leaves really tricky because of no structure. Mm. I had to use Oprah as my structure. Like if I had a shower by nine and I could sit and watch Oprah, like she was my lifeline Mm -hmm. through maternity leaves. I would like live, that was like the highlight of my day. And I'd feel so accomplished if I had a shower before she was on. Wow. But yeah, I definitely feel like I I got there, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was that time is so just... Yeah, it's it's hard. It's well, hard. It's, I I hear that you know. So being a stay at home dad, you know, um, I, I had a challenge with that because I wasn't making any money. I was looking for a job. I, I was. I mean, I love being at home with my, you know, with my son. But you know, I felt the pressure of I got to take care of my family. I got to take yeah. care of my family. You couldn't enjoy it. I, right. I was probably felt like. Can't just sit and enjoy it and go to the park and be in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. Because I was always trying now to looking do a back at do you wish you did? You know. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you wish you kind of? So you know the the stress that we had, you know, as far as a family financially, you know, I don't wish that on anyone. Right. Um, uh, but you can't replace being a being at home and mm-hmm. you know raising your your son and just you know. Right kind of uh, laying that groundwork, laying that foundation, mm-hmm. you know, year after year. Um, and my my kids to this day, you know, they don't know what it is, what it's like for dad to be away for an extended period of time, you know, because I'm always there. I'm always, you know, taking them here, taking them there, taking them to school. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, and I told them, I said, you don't take me for granted <laughs> because you know, it may not be like this all the time. So yeah, know, but that's um, a good point. Yeah, because a lot of times the mom is taken for granted. You know, I feel like at exactly. least in, in my growing up, it was like my dad. Oh, you know, he was on the pedestal. My mom's like, "What about me? Exactly. I'm doing everything." I'm like, that's yep. true. And and I found myself doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I I find myself like, dude, you know, I you, you're taking me for granted. You uh. know. Um, and uh, and so I, I understand what that what that mm-hmm. feels like, and yeah. so um, but I also think that a lot of dads get bad raps because I, I tell you a story. I was um, I was uh, with my boys on a Saturday, and we were having lunch in Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Um, Lovely, and and, uh, and a nice couple, older couple, they were sitting right next to the table, and uh, she complimented. Uh, she was like, oh, your boys are so well-behaved. Mom did a really good job. 
Wow. And, uh, and she said, you guys are giving mom the day off, huh? And I was just, I was just like, no, 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 mom doesn't have the day off, you know, type of thing. And I, I was really, I was just, I think I posted something on social media that day because I was really ticked off. I was like, why, why do you assume that, you know, I'm not involved in their lives, you know, and that their mom was the only one that, you know, raised them or gave them. And so, you know, that's insulting. Yeah, it is. It's very insulting. And so when I see, you know, I, I saw someone actually post something on social media recently, a friend of mine, on, and uh, and it says something like, um, "Moms do this, 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 and this, and dads do this," and uh, and I, I jokingly emailed her back and said, "Not this dad type of thing." And so that's good. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to educate people, right? Yeah, you know, it's all that. Yep. No labels. No labels, yeah. I like that. Don't let anybody define you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the powerful. things. That's yeah. powerful. Well, it has been an incredible pleasure chatting with you. I got to know what DC stands for, though, because I don't think I found that anywhere in what I was reading about you. That's classified information. Is it classified? It's classified information. Oh, it's like Donald. Uh, <laughs> oh, Donald. <laughs> no, I'm no, make not Donald. <laughs> it, it I can actually, tell it's classified because it's nowhere. I'm that, like, what that's is so funny, DC yeah. So um, my name is Dwayne. Crenshaw, yeah. So Dwayne's uh, my first name. Okay. Yeah, and my middle I name. I like Dwayne, though. Yeah, that's yeah. And so my middle name is starts with the E. It's not a C. So so funny uh, is that when I started playing football, um, I got the nickname DC. So um, when we were in practice, we just started playing. We were in practice, and everyone had white helmets. And so at water break, we would you know throw our helmets down and go get water and come back. And we all had our mouthpieces on our helmets. And so sometimes people would get helmets mixed up. So I went home yeah, and my mom, my mom found out. And she was like, you are not putting anyone else's mouthpiece in your mouth. <laughs> so she got this big black electrical tape and put a big D and a big C on my helmet. Uh. And I went back to practice. And, you know, coaches was just getting to know people's names. And uh, he was like, um, DC, come here. So that's how DC was born. I like it. So everyone started calling me DC. And then when I was in pharmaceutical industry, you know, people call me DC, but on my card, um, you know, I was like, I want to put DC on my card. And my boss was like, well, put DC on there. I was like, yeah, but I don't have a last name. She's like, well, just put DC Crenshaw. And so that's what happened. I put DC Crenshaw and then, and then I went into an office. It. Yeah. And a lady was a uh, receptionist. She was like, DC Crenshaw. Wow. Sounds so powerful. I was like, it is. That's good. <laughs> and so that's what happened, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, DC, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you for having me. Love being here. Great. Appreciate it. And uh, let, her, let our listeners know where they can find you. Sure, you can follow me at DC Crenshaw on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can check out littledinerscrew.com uh, and fetlifestylemag.com, uh, F-E-T-E lifestylemag.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. I really, really have enjoyed it. And I think you gave a lot of nuggets of good advice. Thank you for having me and congrats to you and your podcast. And thank you. Just happy to be here. Good. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Owning Your Legacy. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with others and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about me and how I am owning my legacy, you can find me on Instagram at Lorette Rondonet and online at LoretteRondonet.com. Until next time.